Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have Marcus Paul James, who stars as Otis Williams in the Broadway musical Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. The show will be at Providence Performing Arts Center from March 12th through the 17th. Are you out on the road right now? I am. I am. We're actually in Grand Rapids at the moment. Oh, okay. And how long are you there for? Just for a week. Then we travel to Milwaukee um, next week, and then we're on to you in Providence. So how long have you been uh, playing this role? Oh, this role. So I play the role of Otis Williams, and uh, uh, I've been playing uh, the role officially um, since the beginning of this tour, so about about four, four or five months now. Were you in this production in another role previously yeah i was i had the pleasure of being a part of the original broadway company oh, okay um yeah in which i, I actually covered I actually ended up covering a few of the of the temps including like david uh as david otis and melvin even and some other uh, members as well uh so i that's what my my journey with ain't too proud the life in time started with being um covering some of the uh some of the major players and then um, taking over the role of Otis himself here on the road. So how long have you been involved total? Oh, probably over three years. Okay, and yeah. I, from what I can see in your resume, you were in, in in the Heights, Rent, The Greatest Showman, The Wiz, Tick, Tick, Boom, Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> you've, been, you've been quite a busy boy. Yeah, I'm, I've been nothing but lucky to be a part of so many wonderful projects and and to not take it for granted that some of these projects have been like kind of like really important and really important to a lot of people. And so it's nothing but honor uh, with that information. But well, yeah, they're all, been... they're all high, uh, highbrow shows. I mean, those are all, you know, <laughs> shows that people have heard of, have been nominated and won Tonys and such. Yeah, but it resonates with people. It's, it's, it's a gift that, you know what I mean? It's, it's the, just like this show right now, it's been like, it does not, it, it's still, I'm on brand, if you will. You know, being a part of a show that really means something to not only to people now, but time in general, to like history of America, to like to the to the legacy of a living legend, um, um, Otis Williams. It's like it's 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 almost a dream, if you will. Well, Otis <laughs> Otis is the only one who's maintained his role in the Temptations from day one. To the yeah. reading reading the temp. Yeah, reading their bio of the Temptations, that has been a revolving door. Even with some of the the these more stable members, they've come and gone. It's Otis is the only one. So you've got the role of the one person who's the constant in the whole show. Yeah, how amazing is that? How many stories do we have like that? Oh, really? <laughs> now this is what I'm wondering: is how is this show portrayed? Because from what I read, The Temptations, I mean, you would need like 20 people just to cover the cast of The Temptations themselves because of so many people that have been in and out of the band. Now, how would, how is the show approached? I mean, once you run me through like what the show is and how it runs, because if you read the bio of The Temptations, it's very confusing and very involved and they've got a lot of infighting and drug abuse and firings and egos and all kinds of stuff. And now, how does that all approached in the... In the in the musical, the show uh, celebrates the Temptations, and it's through the lens of um, of Otis Williams, the the living legend. And so, what it, the, the show starts, you know, takes us back to like 1963 when it all started, and in and ends right around like uh, in the around in the 80s, kind of when we lose some of the like 
the primitive the the once we lose kind of like the last of the original members mm-hmm. is when we you know is when the story uh kind of concludes around and and its celebration but it's really telling the story about how they got there okay how they got to be this thing that we know and how it's not done it wasn't just a group and that it was actually an institution that that's what motown was building wasn't just building these one-hit wonders we were building things that were made to last and i think the proof is in the pudding motown music is now you know a part of the american american fabric of music and it was started in a time that was not so great for the people building it of so course. i feel like so it's so the, so the show really takes us through kind of like a little bit of the backstory of the things that we already know and the hits we already loved um and we span about i think almost like 30 songs i think in the show wow. um so it so it really is a, a fun time to enjoy the music but also hear a little backstory about how things got there the good the bad the wonderful and the reality these are human beings like mm-hmm. these are these are amazing you know black men who did something that was if we had TikTok. They, you know, the story would be everywhere back then. If we had Instagram, like, you know what I mean? You'd be going, how did this happen? So the show really takes on that that uh, task to tell those story. Is there any uh, American history mirrored in it, such as the racial unrest of the late 60s? And is that involved in the show in any fashion? Absolutely. I don't think, I think our, our wonderful writer, Dominique Morisot, said there's no way you can tell this story without telling the story of our country. Correct. And I think for someone like, you know, for the younger generations, I think people, because the way that we, I think, are ill-reported about history, the way that history is told to us, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really make sense all the time. And I think sometimes we think that Motown was on this, was on this cloud on some other place that was that all this stuff happened and no one really puts it into time period of when it was happening and what was happening around it. And then, and then to hear from the, you know, from the mouths of the creators like Barry Gordy and Otis himself is that like, it was affecting how they were making music. And to know that when we got pieces, that some of them were out of the response of what was going on, which, you know, especially when you lean back to like, um, I think uh, one of the, you know, the biggest probably, um, um, uh, things that we remember is like um, Marvin Gaye, you know, what's going on is a direct response to what was happening right now. It wasn't just a happy song about what's going on. So I think some, so, so it's, it's when we tell the story about the temptations, uh, I think Dominique made it a real point to really root us in where we are and that this is all of our stories. And this just happens to be what this, where this line led to. Um, but yeah. So are there Barry Gordy characters? Are there uh, Smokey Robinson characters, Diana Ross characters involved in the show at all? All of them. Yeah, we have a, we have the Barry makes an appearance. Diana and the Supremes make us make an appearance. We have Smokey in there. Now we have definitely all the people that were, that were like pivotal um, characters to the fundamentals of them growing up and, and kind of like rubbing elbows and kind of, uh, you know, Smokey Robinson gave them their first five hits, <laughs> um, you know, that, that we know, um, though the countless new music that, that they made. And then we have, you know, um, Norman Whitfield, who gave us the, the other half, the other next three or five hits. Like, you know what I mean? So we definitely, definitely uh, we um, highlight all the people around the story, but we really focus on the momentum moving forward and what do you do next? <laughs> so I, I, 
I saw a couple of pictures. I'm, I'm trying to get a view of the stage, what the stage will look mm. like. It looks like the band is on stage. Is that right or not? Well, that's that's actually a little secret that we actually do at the end of the at the end of the show. The band is, is underneath the stage. Our stage kind of plays as like a empty canvas, if you will. Okay. Uh, Otis is like your narrate is, is the narrator of the show, and we okay. definitely jump back into time. So the stage takes the form of whatever time we're visiting in this in this almost a little bit amount of memory play, but definitely we definitely are jumping back in time and jumping around. So the so the stage is kind of very stoic, and the lights um, from our uh, wonderful um, lighting designer just makes it all look so tall and luscious and and very transformative and then we do you know surprise everyone at the end by a full group number <laughs> now is there a, is there any uh visual stuff on stage like video or props or such or is it just yeah yeah absolutely yeah we have our, our i think uh peter mcgreeny is our, our our light and projectionist and we have such one. We have a wonderful like projection mapping happening on the stage. It's really, it's really, um, and I, and and even coming from the Broadway company, the Broadway stage. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar. Broadway houses, they're not the biggest houses no, in America, no. but they're definitely that. They're, they're definitely like robust. But then to be in some spaces like the Fox Theater in Atlanta, or or some of these places where they have that just are bigger, and to see this set live and and breathing that is, is is breathtaking when i the the little i get to see from the outside because i'm always in it i'm always like <laughs> oh that's what it looks like oh <laughs> so this is kind of almost like a story concert i would say absolutely it's for sure a musical i think that's one thing we keep saying that it's not is a was not a jukebox musical. It's not a thinly thread trying to get all the hits in. We actually are telling the real story of the Temptations and Otis Williams, you know, being the forefront uh, of storyteller. So yeah, it definitely is that. But we definitely when we when we stop by the hits, we stop and we share them. <laughs> so for sure, are the are the hits done chronologically, or are they just woven in for uh, in the in the story for? Uh, Poignancy. I mean, are they kept in order, or are they used where they're needed? Um, a little bit of both. A little bit of, of both, because um, songs in the show are not in order the way that they were created. Okay. But we do. When we tell the story, we tell we are chronologically chronologically correct <laughs> when we tell the story. But but you know, but we do have to entertain. Like you know what I mean. So we do want to make sure that we you know we open with a number and then we go back. It's definitely a, a journey that you're with us. But it's definitely like you can almost play a game of guess this next tune. You know, you hear it for the first of us and you're like, ah, I know that one, right? right. So I think it, it definitely gives that. But then also, I, I, as a musician myself, realized that like most artists back in the day sing everybody's music. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were times in the 60s where more than one person would have the same song out. Right. You know, they, right. they would have their, their own versions of it and they would be competing on the charts, which was, I always thought that was right. kind of funny. Right, right. It just, it just became a part of the thing. So we definitely have other tunes in there that help us kind of creatively tell the story and meet moments that we are in. Um, and they have crafted such great work between Dominique Morisot, our writer, and Des Mackinoff, the director. They really crafted moments that are like, oh, that's really clever and that's really useful. And us as actors and musicians, we're like, yeah, this is great. Now this this product uh, the production of Ain't Too Proud won a Tony, correct? Yes, it did. We won a Tony for um, best choreography by. <laughs> and you guys dance up a storm, I guess. 
because they did. We had to meet the bar. Right, you right. Know, they were, they were, you know, the king of the smooth moves. Right. So Sergio Trujillo, our, our award-winning choreographer, um, definitely stepped up to the challenge and, and even modernized a little bit so that it stood the test of time for for um, for our world now. <laughs> well, that was half of the Temptations was the dance. I mean, their moves. It wasn't just the vocals. It was the visual of the movement. Yes, and it was and it was um, demanded by Barry that like you, if you want to be the best, you have to do the best, right? And you have to work hard to do it. And so they did not shy away. So to celebrate that every day is not only wonderful, slightly painful, but it's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well, this, you know, they're the precursor to the boy bands. I mean, this is one Absolutely. of the original boy bands that, you know, came out and they, you know, that's Absolutely. what was the seed of all these boy bands, Backstreet Boys, Boys to Men mm -hmm. and such. That... And, and to be fair, and they were also like, they were at the time of their height rivaling the Beatles. Right. Even outperforming them in certain spots. Right. And, and um and metrics, which you know we don't normally hear, but it's like it was the truth. <laughs> true, true. You mentioned your own music. Yeah. What is it that you do? I, I noticed that you do have uh you you are an independent musician um and have some recording available. <laughs> yeah, I do. What is it that what kind of stuff do you do? Well, I'm definitely I I, I consider myself a, a singer songwriter, you know, with a lot of soul and uh gospel influences for sure. How easy it would be if you were my queen. I could oversee your secrets I would keep how great would it taste if I could kiss your face to conquer all your fears erase your yesterdays how great would that Sound. Maybe I should just hold you now, now. I could take you clean away from the stains we made. Call you by your name, a creature formed from grace. I could build our new home of brick, stone, and bone. The room full of the stars, in twos, or threes, or fours. How
I could just sleep instead of finding things to keep you in my dreams. How much joy would it bring if you'd wait to sing that you dream that too? A world for me and you. How great would that sound? Or maybe I, or maybe I, or maybe I just hold you But I definitely sing a songwriter. But I write it. I very. I write emotional stuff. I like. I like having. I like capturing good moments. That like small moments that you feel good about. So my music is very fun, and um, and I like it. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> my, my 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 newest release. Uh, my latest release, I guess, were a couple songs. Uh, Waiting for was one that I wrote, um, commissioned to write during the pandemic. Um, that uh, has been really kind of like the anthem of uh, moving forward and getting back to work. And you know, the, the the theme of it is we are who we're waiting for. Like you know what I mean? Let's stop waiting for everyone else to tell us what's next. Let's create what's next. Let's redetermine. Let's redefine what now is. Now that we have the time to do it. So. It's not over It's not over And we gotta, 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 gotta move on And whatever we break is worth the wait to see the dawn Now is the time to run, to fly, create a new supply of hope The seed of creation
So what kind of places do you perform with your own music? I mean, what kind of, what time do you have to do your own music? It seems like you're pretty tied up with the Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everything's in season. So we definitely had some time to work on stuff during the pandemic before we got back to work. And remember... <laughs> I think I everybody did, but not everybody did. Right. Everybody right. had the time, but not everybody did stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, for us, it's like, it's impossible for us performers to not do something, right? right or right. to sit down for two years. Right. Um, so it was, you know, and I was in the show, I was on the Broadway company when we shut down. Um, I was even on stage the night before <laughs> yeah. um, in the show the night before we shut down. So we were shut down for two years for doing that. So sitting around and doing nothing was not an option. <laughs> that must have been tough. I mean, not only artistically, but financially, that was, you know. Yeah, we, we definitely all had to figure it out. But I think, uh, especially us, you know, us New York East, you know, our New York, you know, artist side is that like a hustle is a part of our life. You, if you're an artist, you have to hustle. Yeah. And um, and one thing, you know, my my uh, my mother always instilled in me was that like you have two hands and you have two legs always, and you have wings. Use them. <laughs> like don't. <laughs> like you know what I mean. So you're never too old for them. So it's like when times get hard, you either lay down and die or you get up and run. Right. So it was definitely one of those get up and run moments. And uh, and thank God we had such wonderful support from our Broadway cares and like our you know institutions and unions that kind of helped us get through it all but really it you know it was really up to us to continue to keep pushing and fighting and making the changes that we wanted to make now that we were pausing for a little bit to make our industry more equitable and to move forward and then dealing with the big bad sea of it all and how to get back on tour and 
how to be safe and so it's all it's all been a challenge but worth it as we get to these shows every night and here i am in grand rapids and and it's the first time the show was making it to detroit i mean to uh michigan at all oh you know and so this is our first stop in Detroit, in Michigan, and so we will be coming back um, to Detroit later on in the summer. But so it's a big deal for us to be out here and sharing this story to people who, at the moment, may not be able to come back to New York at the moment to go see things right, because right. they're still figuring things out. Right. So it's been worth all the pushing and fighting and tears and restretching and working out and <laughs> and living room exercising and annoying my neighbors with recordings it's been worth all of those things to get back um, to doing what we love and sharing <laughs> now i know that some artists at intermission or at, after the show do sell their own cds do you sell your own cds at these shows i do i so i actually normally have i have in every show i have and this tour actually decided not to because it became a little complicated to figure out how it all was working but people don't buy cds anymore no i know but <laughs> you know it's 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 you never know i mean i i i saw, i have my own cds as well too and i know the feeling but it's just like that one time you don't have them somebody wants one i know i know and i think and, and i think me and my team decided that we're playing a different game like i want to actually connect with people right more so than just like peddling my music yeah that's true. um in that regard like you know what i mean so i'm actually pushing to like engage people and get like get like follow me on instagram and let's talk there you know i have wonderful projects coming on i have some visual projects coming up i've actually recorded a couple of songs before I left on the road because I know we wouldn't have time out here. So I'm working on that stuff um, to get that prep to go out. So I think it's, it's always easier uh, to just kind of connect and be a part of the team there. But it's in my bio. My information is there. And I definitely engage with people after every show. So what's take me through your uh, your beginnings as a performer. Where did you start out and how did you wind up? What was your evolution and the path towards your Broadway? Broadway. It, oh, I... I to not sound cliche it's like it almost i, I can't say it, i almost say it, it was so there's a blessedness to it or a like grand design that was above my hands <laughs> because uh my path has been somewhat fortuitous in a, in a way that that i couldn't even imagine i did grow up in brooklyn new york um you know church going my family runs a church and i went to church every sunday for 12 years and then ended up, i ended up going to boarding school um, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And that's where, though I started learning music, actually, from, I keep, I want to make sure I, I always in, include this tidbit of information. When I was in boarding school in East New York, Brooklyn, we had music class back when we had arts and education in, in public high schools. We had our public schools and middle school, and uh, I had um, band. We had band, and I learned how to read music and play the saxophone in boarding, in public school in Brooklyn, right. which I glaze over because I was a kid. It just right, right. Why, yeah, I mean, of course it happened. Most schools did have that stuff back there. You used to see kids, right. you know, carrying their instruments to school daily. Now it's you just see them with a phone in their hand. Right, exactly. Um, and no funds for any arts or no, education at all. Depressing. But then, but because of that, I went to when I went to boarding school. I already had a music inclination, and so I ended up trying to join the band there. And there is when I actually started flexing all of my. I could. I saw. I've always sung in choirs, so I was like, let me sing in some choirs here. Ended up doing every choir that the school had and doing competitions. And then I started learning about theater and dance, and, and I just started doing everything. And and they said as long as your grades were good, they no one told no one told me no. And so I really got to like explore and do all the things that I 
was interested to do in, in high school. And then I ended up going to Penn State for musical theater, which between you and me, I didn't know what musical theater really meant <laughs> when I said it. Because I was like, it does all the things I like to do. So of course, I, of course that I didn't think it wasn't. I didn't think it was a job particularly, but mm. I was like, I can go to college for it. I was like, let's go learn some more about it. And that's when I started to really learn about the business and and hone like where I fit in and what I have and what was important and what was you know. And we started to figure out life a little bit more in college. And after um, college, or actually before my senior year, I was with a crazy story. I was in a boy band, actually myself. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a record deal on the table wow. um, from this company. So we decided to take a semester off to move to New York and um, kind of like get our bearings and like get a, you know, work with our manager and try to prepare ourselves so that we could focus on it for a little bit. But life happened with a couple members and I actually ended up auditioning for a non-equity tour of Rent. That seems like the, the, the starting point for a lot of people. I, um, I just talked to Constantine Marolis, and that's pretty much the same oh, thing he did. We That's the same tour. Oh, was we it? On our first show, our first big shows of the same show. <laughs> <laughs> he was my first Roger, and I wow. was my first Colin. Cool. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, and I but I auditioned for that, and I randomly got it, and then I the band was kind of taking a little bit of a sabbatical because of life things and so I was like let me go do this and I the rest has almost been history I then moved from there they then asked me to join the Broadway company and then from then on I was in the Heights and then I did Motown and then I just met Lynn and then I just kept spiraling to where we are now <laughs> wow that's really a great story I mean that's you've got it you've you've had a good career that's a very <laughs> fortunate thing I mean it's a very tough thing to get into this business and and to continue to have a successful career in this business so you must you're doing something really right so that's a good I, thing I, I, that's why i said i i can't i can't even take credit for it which is why i was saying something about it seems blessed or you know above my hands because it really has been just so lucky for these things to have you know be prepared to be able to do them and for them to continue really and for really. people to not tell me to shut up and sit down <laughs> you know what i mean which is I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me that. Like, <laughs> well, I hope they don't because it, it, it appears that you're a very talented individual and you want to keep going and, and as long as you can. So we're going to go round back to the the musical. So you said there's 30 yeah. songs in it. It sounds like it's a pretty long production. What What's the running time on this show? Oh, we we uh, we're about two and a half hours, but okay. I think we 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 run through we run through them quickly, and we don't sing every verse of every song oh, okay. all the time. Well, I was going to um, ask if you. I mean, I know Papa was a Rolling Stone is quite the uh, is quite the long one, so I can't imagine you doing the whole thing of that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we but, but but we do do it. Um, we it, we do take advantage of our theater licenses, so we definitely you know break things up to tell stories, and and we have a great story. It, you know, you I don't I won't give it away, but there's a great story about Papa was a Rolling Stone that we tell during the show, during the song, uh -huh. that is always that is always really fun and um, and a great moment for the audience to learn. Um, but but yeah, we definitely uh, something that I keep saying wherever we go is that like this is not your come fold your hands and watch type of show. Right. No, you we want you to come enjoy if you like the song snap to it sing with it listen to us laugh into like you know what i mean clap like it's one of those things uh and we feed off of that and that just makes it just a, a fun good time well it sounds <laughs> like and uh, i hope that 
this tour is a very successful one and it goes on and you have a long career in, in, in Broadway because it sounds like it sounds like you're going to no matter what because you really have the you have the the, the resume and obviously the talent to keep it up so I'm grateful for people like you that are out there doing it and giving us such great music and um, oh, so thank uh, you I appreciate that yeah <laughs> I look forward to, uh, to seeing the show I, I really want to thank you for taking the time today and talking all right I really appreciate it good luck with the show thank you so much nice nice to talk to you as well thank you okie dokie thanks to marcus paul james for being part of this episode of the roots report podcast ain't too proud the life and times of the temptations will be at the providence performing arts center for march 12th through the 17th the roots report podcast is presented by motif magazine and sponsored by the parlor arwen entertainment the trinity brewhouse beer garden graysale brewing of rhode island and se microphones thanks for listening Thank you.